Just like moms. Except we're dads. Ha ha! All right. Why don't you go ahead and start by introducing yourself, please? Yes, so I am Ryan Roy. I am a man of faith. I am a husband. I am a father of two amazing boys, uh, nine and three. Their names are Christian and Jaden. Uh, I am the owner of Justifier, Just Do It Coaching. I am the author of the book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had. And I am the creator of the Dads Movement, FBI Dads, and that's fathers being involved. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely, man. Thank you for being here. Um, Let's talk about that. The title of the book is very appealing because you and I share similar experiences. So I'm curious to see how much we have a shared experience or how different things are. So title of the book is Be the Dad You Wish You Had. Correct. So where did that title come from and how much of a personal title is that to you in your experience? Well, I'll answer in reverse. It's a very personal title. And uh, now I'll give you the story. And, and the story is that at age five, I was abandoned by my own father. Mm. You know, it was a couple of weeks before Christmas that year. My parents had already been divorced. My mother, um, she was laying in bed. I, I believe I was laying in bed next to her and and I was telling her all the presents I wanted Santa to bring to her house. Mm-hmm. And I was telling her all the presents I wanted her uh, Santa to bring to dad's house. Because, uh, you know, I was a good kid and I deserved two Christmases, right? That was kind of my theory. And uh, mom at that point paused. And, and that's when she shared with me that I would no longer be going back to my father's house. She then paused and she she reassured me. I think this is her way of comforting me at the time was, but but rest assured, Santa's going to bring all the toys to your to to mom's house. Hmm. Um, I've done some personal development around that moment in my life. I have a, it was obviously a pivot point, and you know somebody once asked me. They said, "Well, how did you react when you heard that?" And my response was, "Well, I I think I was just strong for mom." Mm-hmm. And it's no burden that any five-year-old or child should ever have to bear is to be strong for their parents. It's supposed to be the other way around. 100%. Um, so for me, you know, I, I grew up, you know, obviously a, a, a single mom. I was the baby. Uh, so I have four older siblings. Uh, there was a lot of financial challenges. There were a lot of uh, uncertainty in the household. Let me ask Those you this. Yeah. Were were you the only one at home with mom at the time? Did your were your siblings also there, or was it just you and mom when when your father abandoned you? Uh, so, so I was a product of that marriage. It was a, a second marriage. I was the only product of that marriage. Okay. So, uh, so when you say were they home physically in the house, I don't remember. But yes, we were all in the home when that marriage had ended and, and that relationship was ending. Like dad wasn't going to be in my, my world anymore. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? Yeah. I think I was asking more the latter part that you mentioned. So the, the whoever yeah. was, whoever made up that family. Yeah. Was there a period where, when my father did the same thing to me, my mm-hmm. older sister was living elsewhere. My younger sister was in college. I was mm-hmm. home. Uh, yeah, with my mom. Um, and it was just the three of us living in the home at the time that he left. So that's that's kind of what I was asking. Yeah. So so they were all uh, I think my oldest brother was kind of on his way out the door at that point as he's 13 years older than than I. So mm-hmm. uh, but the rest were were in the household. Um, 
so then growing up, like I said, we had some just challenges, a lot of uncertainties, a lot of stuff. And I honestly made a conscious effort as a young adult not to have children, right? Because I didn't know what it looked like to have a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I don't know that I thought I wouldn't be a good dad. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know if I would be a good partner in life and that I I could sustain a relationship or that I wanted to be in a relationship because the ones I saw were always unhealthy. Um so I didn't even want to have children. I didn't have children until I was, you know, uh, mid thirties, uh, and, and not until I met, you know, the woman who became my wife. Um, so when I was about to become a father mm-hmm. and I realized we had gotten married, um, and, and I'll tell you a little backstory to that. My wife, when we started dating and it started getting serious, she asked me a serious question. She says, do you, do you, do you, uh, how do you feel about children? Mm. And like any smart guy, when a woman that you're falling in love with is asking you something like that, you ask the question back. I said, how do you feel about children? (laughs) (laughs) And she, she went on to tell me that uh, the doctors had told her that she had less than a 5% chance of ever conceiving and having children. Mm. And if that was something that was important to me, it was something that we need to consider if we were going to move the relationship forward. Now she didn't, she didn't know this about me, but I mean, internally, I'm pump fisting, sure, I'm doing yeah. backflips because the woman I'm falling in love with is, is in my mind, has 0% chance of ever having me face my greatest fear of becoming a dad. Mm-hmm. Well, not too long after that, I proposed. Not too long after that, we eloped and we got married. And I remember on our wedding night, she said, what do you, you know, what are we going to do about this kid thing? And in my mind, again, I'm You're like, baby, we ain't got nothing to worry about. <laughs> We got nothing to worry about. I said, and and I literally, and I didn't say it that way. I said, well, let's just enjoy each other. Let's have fun. And, and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And uh, six weeks later. (laughs) Whatever happened, happened. Yes. Um, uh, And I, we found out it was New Year's Eve uh, that we found out that we were pregnant. And I knew I was with the right woman. So I was excited, Mm -hmm. but I also knew. That I, I, there was like, I had this fear around, am I going to be enough? Am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to be able to provide the way I want to provide? Um, now, prior to that, had you dealt with any of your personal issues around surrounding the fact that you were abandoned at five years old by your dad? Had you done yeah. any work counseling, anything like that prior to, you know, this phase of your life now? So the, the the answer to that would be no. Uh, if if I did <clears throat> no counseling, none of that. Mm-hmm. I think I did what a lot of men do is I just buried myself in work, keeping busy, mm-hmm. uh, sports as a kid, uh, uh, education. Um, go quickly, babe. Please. One second. Um, sorry about that. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cameo by the wife. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cameo by the wife. I had the, I had her car keys on my desk. Um, so to, to answer that, no, I, I, I literally just, I, I think I did what a lot of men do. We avoid, right. Or we bury ourselves in something and we take massive action in something. And I just buried myself and none of that worked by the way. Um, but when I decided or or realize I was about to be a dad, you know, to go back to your original question is, is I think a lot of men say, I'm not going to be like my dad. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad abandoned me. I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And in my experience in life, when I told people I, what I wasn't going to do, it really didn't define what I would do. And it didn't really work out. Mm -hmm. So I I literally in that moment said, well, I'm going to be the dad that I wished I had. I'm going to be a good dad. And I literally, uh, Kelly, I started Googling, what does it look like to be a good dad? (laughs) Because I don't know what it looked like. Yeah. What does it look like? And, you know, it said like, hey, you spend time with them. You love them. And I'm like, okay, I could do that, right? I I mean, I, I, this, but as I started doing more and more research and the same thing started coming up and, and, and what it really boils down to, and that's what. 40 lessons in my book talk about is just being present. All kids want from us is, is our time and know that they, they, that we're, they're loved and that there's a sense of security and, 
it, it's it's really simple. It's so simple that we as human beings complicate it by thinking we need to get them stuff or they need the best sneakers or go to the best school. No, they need to know that they're loved. Yeah, I think there's something frightening about how simple that seems, right? Nothing in life is that easy. <laughs> like nothing in life is that easy. Uh, so I think that's what someone might say. On the other hand, some, somebody else might say, okay, being there, but then doing what? Because there are many dads who are present, but they're not present. Mm-hmm. Like they're there, but they're not present, better said. Yeah. Well, they're not present with themselves, right? So they don't know how to be present with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, so as a life coach, right? I literally just got off the phone with a client I've been working with for two years. Uh, he just re-upped his contract to go another year with me. And he just did this big endurance challenge um, over the weekend. And he said he learned a lot about himself. He had to run four, 48 miles in 48 hours. And he was running four miles every four hours. It was a David Goggins challenge. And he said, but I challenged myself because I always distract myself with music and stuff. And I wanted to be in my own thoughts and, and hear what my thoughts said during this. And he said, I, I realized I have a lot of negative self-talk, hmm. right? I realized that, you know, that music was a distraction after I conquered this feat. He said, I literally, I just, he goes, I've had so much confidence at work this week. I've had so much confidence because I just did this, but I found myself after I finish this, that I had a tremendous amount of self-worth and I talked to myself differently internally. Mm. So I don't think many people go to those depths or do those challenges to really see who they are. And because they don't know who they are, it's hard to sit with themselves. And because they don't know how to love themselves, they don't know how to love somebody else. Dude, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, One of my biggest things is that I try to encourage people to sit in front of the mirror and face how ugly you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only way that I think there can be true change. Like there has to be a fundamental shift that happens. And I don't think that can happen. Sure, someone can go to counseling uh, therapy, those things help. And if, if someone is, if people are able to like, that is awesome because you're able to, if you find a good counselor, if you find a good therapist, that person is able to help you sit in front of the mirror, you know, in a professional way through proven techniques and great. But I think that's something that can also be done on an individual level, right? Just like, Face your own demons. I mean, you're willing to do it. Yes. And it is scary. But we all, like, we all are a product of something. And I've met more men who have come from, you know, really crappy relationships with their fathers than I have met men who have had good relationship with their dads. And so I always encourage the ones who've had crappy relationships like, yo, sit in front of the mirror. Ask yourself the really tough questions. Open your closet, whatever skeleton is in there, like talk to that skeleton, figure it out. Because once I became a dad or when my wife said that she was pregnant, I was like, great, we're going to have a girl. And then she says, we're going to have a boy. Dude, my stomach just like turned because I was so scared that now I was going to take the place of my father and my son was going to take my place. And I'm like, holy crap. Like I have to be so calculated as to not do to this kid what my father did to me. And it was frightening. And I had already done the work of sitting in front (laughs) of the mirror and facing my demons and all of that stuff. And it was still scary. Yeah. Well, you know, as you say that, you asked me if I did the work. That was when I decided to do the work, when I knew I was about to become a father. Hmm. Is, um, you know, in, in 
what do us men know, especially those of us in my case that grew up without a father is, you know, Hey, if, if I'm a good provider, right. That's what they say on TV. Mm-hmm. That's what society's tell, telling. And I had, um, I'm like a serial entrepreneur, right? I'm always in and out of these different things. And I had flipped houses and, you know, in the, in the late 2000, you know, eight, 2009, got caught up in a little bit of that mess. Mm -hmm. And here I'm about to be a dad 2011. And I'm like, man, you know what? Nobody taught me how to do this stuff. Let me invest in somebody teaching me how to run businesses the right way. Uh, And what I, didn't realize is the company that I got involved with, it was more personal development. Yes. In order to run a successful business, you need to be able to run yourself successfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I got into it to learn how to make and manage money and run businesses. Uh, but I learned so much more about myself. Mm. And just a few weeks before my, my son was born, one of the exercises we went through is, is, is for us to forgive our parents for any shortcomings that they ever had. I'm sure you've never seen that coming. Oh, not in a million <laughs> years. And, and, you know, it, it's too long a description to do in, in a short podcast, but I, you know, I may share with you off camera, but in that process, um, I decided to truly forgive my parents for their shortcomings. And I actually, uh, within 48 hours of leaving that event, I went and saw my father. How long had it been before you seen him? 30 years. Mm. So, and it was the only time I have seen him since, but I had a, a face-to-face conversation with the person who created me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked some tough questions. I think I got some tough, honest answers. And, uh, and I think that made me whole. Mm. So that I could be whole for my own son because I had a missing piece that I questioned for a very long time. respect the fact that um, he gave you these tough, honest answers. Mm-hmm. There are some circumstances like mine where that has not been the case. There is no acknowledgement of wrongdoing from his side. Mm-hmm. And so whether we have a relationship, whether we don't have a relationship, it's just a Tuesday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it is what it is. And so when, when my father showed himself to be that way to me, then it was up to me to make the decision. Okay. You've shown me your cards basically. So why am I going to stick around for and try to forge something? So that was, that's been done, you know, for, for a very long time. Yeah, you've got crap cards and you don't want to play this game because you can't win. So let's fold them and I'm going to move on to a different game. That's and it. And that's your own family. That's it. That's it. So actually, um, maybe about two months or one and a half months before I got married, uh, my mother had gotten sick. And so he came to to visit her at the house. And uh that was the first time that the three of us were together under the same roof in a decade, because the last time that happened was when he left for the last time. So I was like, wait a minute, let me take full advantage of this. Cause I, I finally have both of them here. And I was feeling so confident in myself at that time, you know, because I'm about to get married, man. Like my life is going to go take on a totally different uh, phase. So uh, I was staying in my mom's basement at the time. Uh, I heard that he was getting ready to leave. So I hurried up. I went back upstairs and I was like, children, I need to speak with you. (laughs) 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 And, uh, you know, he sat down and I spoke with him very respectfully because he's my father. Right. Um, 
very honestly, very transparently, very directly, and very confidently. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm listening to myself talk to him at that time. And like in my head, I'm patting myself on the back like, you go, Kel. You go, Kel. You do that thing. And I basically told him, you know, uh, once I get married, I'm no longer responsible for the woman that you said you were going to take responsibility for. And uh, I appreciate everything that you have taught me by not being here. And these are all things that I am now going to take and carry into my marriage. And, you know, not to lord it over you or anything like that. I'm just saying that your absence has prepared me in a way that I never realized until this phase of my life. Basically, that, that's, that's what I said to him. You know, a couple of weeks later, uh, my mom said to me, you know, your father felt very disrespected by you in the way in which you spoke to him. And I was like, cool. What's for dinner? <laughs> Somebody one time said to me, someone much older than I, said something to me. And I, was like, I didn't even know this person. And so I responded. And he says, hey, don't you respect your elders? And my, my immediate response is respect is earned in my world. Facts. So, you know, he could feel disrespected. It, it's not your burden to carry. And uh, if he wanted to be respected, maybe he should have been around a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> these are just like, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. In my world, and it seems like the same in yours too, it is what it is. That, that's, you know, and apparently it's made us better men. Right. I mean, at least I think I'm a better person. I'm doing the best I can with the knowledge that I have. And, 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 you know, I think probably in your world, I know yours is nine months old, right? Mine's nine years old. My goal is that he's a better man than I, right? I teach him everything I know and he gets what he gets from the world and, 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 and he builds on himself that way, but I need to lay a foundation for him and nobody laid a foundation for me. Yeah. Yeah. Can you think back to your first child? So he arrives, he, he, he arrives here and, um, you know, you and your wife are not home with this life that you have to sustain. Describe what that moment was like for you, given your experience. Yeah, that's a really great question. I don't think I've really thought about it. You, you know, well, I'll share this, um, at the time. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and at the time, what I thought was being a good dad was learning how to provide, you know, for my kid at a high level. And 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 uh, I like being a person who's in motion. Uh, and, and I was knee deep in that personal development that we're talking about. I mean, I was going on trips like on a monthly basis to different, you know, parts of the country for a week at a clip and and, and, and so I could be a better person. So I look back on that time and I remember my wife being frustrated because she's like, you're always leaving or you're working or you're this. And, and as a man, I'm like, I'm just doing it for us. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I was, um, but when I look back on it, it was a totally different scenario. Six years later, when my second son came, um, as my business is established, I work from home at the time I chose not to uh, take on any clients, just serve the ones I had. I wasn't doing any marketing, doing anything. And I was 100% present with my family the second go around. So that first go around, it was kind of like, he's here, you're the mom, right? This is all these stereotypical things. You take care of the baby. I'm going to go out and make money. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, I don't want to say I regret because I don't regret anything I've done, right? It makes me the man I am. I'm just glad I have an awareness that, being a dad is so much more than bringing home a paycheck. Yeah. So um, I had begun a journey to kind of survey the historical landscape to find out um, what the portraits of, of fatherhood was like in different time eras. Mm. And one of those things is that, that you just mentioned um, society, the culture, expectations. I mean, I can't even just kind of pinpoint the one thing, but the shifting of the times and two of, so I was looking at the uh, colonial uh, time period, the industrial revolution, um, the 20th century, and then down to our modern times. 
Mm-hmm. And at various points, this expectation for the dad to be the breadwinner, the caregiver, the, you know, involved in particular ways, these are all things that were shaped by, by society. And so uh, I forget which time period I was, I, I was uh, exploring specifically, but there was this one, there's this one time period that basically if you were going out and, and you were the breadwinner. So I'm thinking that was the industrial revolution. If you were the breadwinner, as long as you were coming back home and making sure the bills were paid, making sure that uh, there was food on the table, you were doing what you were expected to do. Mm-hmm. You weren't asked to do anything else. You didn't have to do dishes. You didn't have to mow a lawn. You didn't. You like, that's that's you the woman's responsibility. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that was her responsibility. You didn't have to get involved with the children. You didn't have to play with them. And so at the turn of the 20th century, when, when the culture started to shift away from that, then fathers were expected to not just be the providers, but you were also now expected to play with your kids, not be so stern, like let your guard down a little bit, be silly and all of that stuff. And it, it captivates me to think that the way in which I, th- I see myself as a father has a lot to do with the culture in which I am a part of, right? But I'm always trying to find those pockets where not because of someone else's expectations or definitions of what a father should be. So what else can I do? What, how else can I grow and develop and evolve? in this role to better serve my children. And I don't think that's a, that's an approach that many people take to parenting or fatherhood or anything like that. No, I I would agree with you in my experience. um, And you're not as far along as the journey. Uh, What I would say, and and, and maybe you experienced some of this, but I'll, I'll hit two different things. Society still doesn't even allow us to do the things that we want to do. So as you're exploring and you want to do certain things, I give an example. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember my wife when she first went back to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So three months, you know, 12 weeks old. And I, we both had very flexible schedules, right? Mm -hmm. So she went to work that day and, and her mother called me up and she's like, what time do you need me there? I said, need me there for what? Well, I'm picking up. The baby. So picking up the baby for what? And she says, well, she's at work. I says, so what? I'm his father. I got it. <laughs> well, well, no, I'm coming to take care of him. No, you're not. This is my job. Mm-hmm. Right. But somewhere in her brain. Yeah. Like, hey, you're not capable. And I don't know. That's how I received it. Maybe yeah. that's not what she meant. Right, right. Or, or maybe it's my role as the grandmother, right? As my wife is uh, of Hispanic descent, and that's what they do culturally. Mm-hmm. Like, grandma's always involved. And I was like, no, he's my kid. I, this is my responsibility. I've got this. Going into a doctor's office, I don't know if you ever experienced this. I was very conscious of it because it bothered me. Oh, I see your eye, eyebrows. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering where you're going with this one because I got some things to say about that. Yeah, I, I mean, going in a doctor's office, they don't acknowledge the dad, I was at every visit, not, not, not even look my way and be like, Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Roy. Nothing. As a matter of fact, at one point, the doctor asked my wife on about the fourth visit, what is it that your husband does for a living that he can make all the visits? And, and my response was, doc, I'm right here. You could talk to me directly. And he literally, he just glanced at me a second and looked back at her. He says, so what does he do? No acknowledgement of me in the room. Yeah. With me being fully present. Yeah. So what does that say to the man that society is saying all these things? Now society's showing him these things. Mm-hmm. When when you go to the delivery room, I had to literally say to to the nurse afterwards, and this is with my second child, because now I'm a little bit more evolved. I know what's important. I in chapter two of my book is do skin to skin, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and the, my wife got skin to skin with the baby. 
And then they said like, okay, he's got like 15, 20 minutes. And then they were going to weigh the baby and do all that stuff. And I started taking off my shirt. And I said, uh, you know, before you do that, can you give me the baby? She says, I can't do that. I said, <laughs> I said, well, we're going to find out what the baby weighs. He's obviously perfectly healthy mm-hmm. and he's my son. And this is the only time that I will have within the first hour of his life to connect with him in this way. So give so my gonna, kid. So, <laughs> so give me my child. <laughs> and she did kind of reluctantly. Mm-hmm. But how many other dads are going to go to that length because they had the education that I had at that point? I had written the book. I had done things and I understood the importance. The beautiful thing about that is because I had written a book, but I hadn't quite published it yet. Mm-hmm. Is The picture in the book on that chapter is that moment is it's my son on my chest because another nurse came in. Mm -hmm. She goes, Oh my goodness. Can I take a picture of this? I said, please do. Wow. And then she shared with me, she goes, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I've been working here six months. I see three, four, sometimes five deliveries a day. You're the only second dad I've seen do. Wow. Wow. What does that tell you? They're encouraging it for the moms. They're not encouraging it for the dads. Yeah. Why is society yeah. not allowing us the space to be the dads that we want to be and can be? Because I believe every single one of us want to do that. Yes. It's instinctual, right? We want to connect. But society's telling us something else. And most men, in my opinion, I don't expect everybody to go educate themselves the way I educated myself, the way it sounds like you educated yourself. But I think we all want it and everywhere we turn, whether it's a doctor's office or a commercial is telling us that's not our place. And subconsciously, too many men are believing it. Yes. Man. Yeah. I don't think I've shared this experience on the podcast before, so I'll go ahead and do it now. My wife and I, we experienced um, two losses before our son. So I've spoken about that before, but the second one, I went with her to the uh, clinic um, so that they could do this procedure to remove the fetus from, from her Mm -hmm. womb. And it was, it turned out to be a very, um, a very uncomfortable procedure for her, a very painful procedure for her, both emotionally and physically. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in the, I'm in the doctor's office and in this little room, just waiting for the doctors to come in and talk to her and then take her away for the, like, maybe about a a 20 minute procedure, but then the recovery. So in total, it was like about an hour and change. Mm -hmm. And we're in this really tiny room, very tiny room. There's the chair bed that she's laying on. There's a little chair on the corner where I'm sitting and right above my head on the wall behind me is the um, disposable bin for for needles and stuff like that. So I from my position, I am sitting directly in front of the facing the door. So if you're coming in into this room, I am the first person you see directly. And then you have to turn to your left to see my wife. Roy, can you please tell the, uh, since we're seeing each other visually while we're recording this episode, can you please tell our listeners uh, what color my skin is? He is black or brown, whichever way you want to describe it. Appreciate that. So if, if I am of dark skin and I am sitting in front of a white wall, um, can you miss me? Can't miss you. Can't miss you had a beige wall right behind you right now. I can't miss you. Appreciate that, my brother. So the doctor comes in the room and he completely misses me. I was not there. He is addressing my wife the whole time. And so he is uh, putting something, I don't know if it was an IV or whatever the case was, and then he has the nerves to stretch over me and dispose of the needle right above my head. As if you weren't there. And do you know, to this day, a part of me is still sitting in that room waiting for that doctor to acknowledge me. 
Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, and, and this is what I love. So we'll, we'll address that the other way. What color am I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are white or Caucasian, whichever one you like to, you prefer. Right. Thank you. And we're experiencing the same things in doctor's offices as men. Yeah. As men. Yeah. We're experiencing the same level of, I'm just going to call it ignorance. Like, and somebody once said to me, and I don't like to justify anything for anybody. And, and, and it made sense for about a half a second in my mind. He says, listen, but you're in a doctor's office and she's the patient. The doctor's supposed to focus on her. I said, no, it, 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 like I get that, but I'm a human being. And that's my child and that's my wife. And this is our yes. family. Yes. And as a family, this is, these are family decisions. Ultimately, they're her decisions, right? Because it's her body. Yes. So these are family decisions we're making. But when society and doctors and everybody are just assuming like, oh, it's her body, it's her this, it's her that. Um, not taking into account that the family unit makes these decisions. It's, uh, it, it's, it's. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, Kelly. Yeah. hospital when my wife was delivering uh, I made it a point that every time somebody walked in the room that I would be standing right next to her head and when someone came to talk to her that I would introduce myself as her husband mm-hmm. I'm not a baby daddy I'm not a boyfriend I'm not a I am her husband and so there was a time that someone came in and and um, was asking her a question but she was kind of in and out of it and so I took the word and I started answering uh, for her. And then that's the first time. And that person had been in the room like twice already. And that was the first time they looked up my way. And, oh, um, Mr. Uh, Dad? Ms. And I'm like, yes, Mr. Gene Phillip. That's, that's me. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's me. I am dad. Yes. I am her husband. This is my wife. Like yes. I had to spell it out for people. Um, but you, you're absolutely right, man. Just the... I don't even want to say subliminal messages that are being sent. I think these are very direct. Um, I'm not going to go as far as to say intentional. I think they're subconscious. Subconscious, yes, I think so. But I, I think, think there there's a level of there's a level of awareness that one ought to have. That's that's my belief. We, there's a and maybe it's because. I'm being 100% biased and I'll own that. But I think that there's a certain level of awareness that one ought to have in order to, to better serve the people that they're serving in these circles and particularly within the realm of medicine and husbands and wives and fathers and mothers who are being constantly, you know, seen by, by these services, you would think that that would be something, right? That at some you would think that they'd have some bedside etiquette. Is that what you're saying? I, I think that's what I want to say. Yeah. 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 I think so. My background is in the service industry. I, 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 I was a waiter in high-end restaurants and hotels and, and, and for a number of years. And, and I got the best training in the world on service. Mm-hmm. And customer service mm-hmm. and acknowledgement of guests. So when I go places, right, that's just my training. Mm-hmm. So that like I, anything short of exceptional to me, my my standards have been just been lowered. Honestly, yes. my wife and I don't go out to dinner much anymore, and it's not COVID <laughs> related. It's it's how I don't we. I have an expectation that you don't just take my order and run away and drop off a check twenty minutes after I needed it. Yeah. You know, I have an expectation of, of, of somebody to engage, to sell me on something, to like, I'm here with money in my wallet. Please sell me something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, tell me what the special is with some enthusiasm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's very rare. I get exceptional service 
anywhere these days, unless I pay for it, which is like if you go to the place that's going to cost you $300 for dinner, right? right. You pay for that service right. that comes along with that dinner. But it's a very simple thing. But I think people lack awareness these days. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's shift the conversation a little bit and talk about how you got involved with uh, FBI dads. So as I told you, right, I want to be the dad I wish I had. And and what that entails is my father was absent, that I wanted to be fully present. Along with that childhood growing up, um, mom worked long hours to feed us and, and, and provide for us and you know, when I started playing sports and competitively and uh, she was just never there, right? Mm-hmm. She was too busy working or she was too tired and she needed a rest. And and so one of the things I made a, a, a vow to myself was to be at every single event. One of my earliest memories when it comes to school is, you, you know, I when dad was no longer in the picture, I had just started going to school mm-hmm. and it was a parent teacher conference or night or, and I came to school the next day and the teacher almost in, in this is the way I remember it. Like almost hey, Ryan, is everything all right with your mom? And I said, yeah, well, why? Well, she was the only parent that didn't show up last night. I think that was the first time I realized that was different and I felt somewhat unloved. Like, why did my mom not come? So I went home that day and I said, mom, why are, you know, there was a parent teacher conference last night. The the teacher was, you know, worried about you is, you know, she goes, oh, okay. I know. I know. So you're going to go to the next one, right? And the next one came and she didn't go. And the next one came and she didn't go. And I always felt like, does she not care about me? Does she not worry? And, you know, as adults now I've, I've shared with her those thoughts and she says, I had other kids and I had more important things to worry about. And I'd been to those parent teacher conferences. And if there was anything I needed to worry about, they would already contact me. She goes, I knew you were a good kid and a good student. I didn't need somebody to tell me that then, which which makes sense, but it doesn't change the hurt. So I decided to be fully involved. So when my son went into elementary school and we're there at the PTA night or what do they call it? Parent. It's before school even starts. I've, I always mess these names up. But anyway, they have a PTA table and and one of the moms, like I wasn't, even though I was at this point in the background and my wife is asking all the questions and I'm just, one of the PTA moms says, hey, dad, we have a dad's program here at the school. Mm. Do you want to get on the email list? Yes. I was, I'm like, man, you got a dad's program? And this is all about me. So I put my name on the list. There weren't a lot of names on the email list yet. And I was like, well, we got here early. We're one of the first ones, right? Those kindergarten parents that are, you know, there early and ask a million questions. I, I can tell you, Kelly, I waited for weeks. It felt like a year <laughs> before an email came through because I wanted to know all about this dad's program. Yeah. I finally got the email. And it said, you know, Tuesday night, six o'clock, meet at the cafeteria. We're going to talk all about the FBI dads program here at the school. At the, at, at the time, they called it something else. Uh, they called it Davis dads. And I was like, oh, whatever it is. And so I show up and, and there's nobody in the parking lot. And I pull up and and, and I'm kind of like looking around the cafeteria. Again, I'm new to the school. I'm like, am I parked in the right place? You, you must have gotten there super, super early. <laughs> no, I got it. No, I'm, I'm that guy that just kind of slides in in case you didn't notice in today's thing. It's like 10 o'clock. I kind of <laughs> pop in. Um, no, I got there right on time, right? I'm not, the, I don't like being anywhere early. My time is precious to me. And I said, I, so I, I pull up and the guy opens up the door. He's like, are you here for the dad's thing? I was like, yeah, am I in the right place? Yeah, you're in the right place. I was like, where are all the dads? <laughs> And he goes, uh, you know, the dads just don't want to get involved. Mm. And he goes, but, you know, I'll tell you about it and we'll go through it and then we'll get out of here. And I was like, in my heart of hearts, in my gut, right? Listen to your gut. I said, man, that's so false because I'm a dad and I want to be involved. Yeah. So I know at the core that's wrong. Maybe you guys are doing something wrong. And he and I didn't say that to him at the time. And, and, and to this day, he's a really good friend of mine. And basically what the FBI dads consist of at the time was we would have dads show up and read to classrooms four times a year. So the next week was when they had the first dad reader day. Mm-hmm. And they said, get there early. You got to get some parking and wait in the foyer. So get there around seven. So I get there at seven, right? They said, be there at seven. I get there at seven. I'm the first guy. I sign up. I have my classroom. 
And the dads start trickling in and I'm like, okay, the dads do want to get involved. It's like 40, 45 dads. Oh, okay. And we have 60 classrooms. And I'm like, okay, so I go and read to my classroom. But uh, let me set the stage a little bit. There's, you know, 40 dads sitting in the four-year talking about nothing. I know nobody at this point. We're no, new to the school. And I said, well, what do we do? And he's like, you just wait. I was like, why don't we just wait? Like, why don't we do something? I'm a doer. I want to do something. Mm-hmm. I want to just wait. Mm-hmm. You get me here an hour early to wait? No, <laughs> to read for 10 minutes? So that's what's going through my mind, right? He says, if you want to go to carpool line, you could open up some doors. The teachers like it. They're out there. So I went out and I did that. I came back. I read to the classroom. I'm walking out. Read to my son's classroom for the first time. I'm feeling like a million bucks. <laughs> he says, hey, we we need, you know, we've got a couple classrooms that haven't been read to. Do you mind reading to another one? I'm like, well, he goes, I got a fourth grade classroom. And I have this kindergarten book. Like, man, fourth grade. I'm picturing like high school kids, yeah. to be honest with you. My kids, I'm picturing high school kids. And he says, I said, I could do, I said, but I only have this book. Ah, that'll be fine. They don't care. They're just glad a dad shows up. So I go in there and read and it was amazing because the kids were finishing the lines with me, right? Mm-hmm. It was like a Dr. Seuss book or something. I'd read a line, they'd read a line. Or I'd start a sentence, they'd finish a sentence. And it was amazing. And they just lit up and I was like, man, they're just kids too. Yeah. Fourth grade, right? I'm picturing these <laughs> high school kids. I had an amazing experience. The next time I'm like, I'm going to read again, but I'm going to let another dad read to my son's classroom. I'm going to read to another classroom. Yeah. When I get there, there's only 20 dads. Mm. I have to read to three or four classrooms. The next one, we have 10 dads. Mm -hmm. The last one at the end of the year, we had five. Mm. And you started off with 40 something. And so I read to 10 classrooms that day. And I know I was the only guy who read to 10 classrooms that day. And I made a vow that I would never do that again. Not because I didn't want to do it, because I didn't need to do it. Mm-hmm. And I decided to take over the dad's program. And I brought in a, a, a breakfast. They have breakfast with the kids. I go from stage. We have an interactive lesson where I have the dads tell their kids what they're proud of them for. We'll have a lesson around, say, commitment or sportsmanship or integrity. Mm-hmm. We'll define that. The kids interact. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten Krispy Kreme Donuts to sponsor us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the first breakfast I did like that was six dads. Pre-COVID, we were averaging 155 dads at each breakfast. Wow. So we, and I have over 420 dads on the email list now. Wow. Wow. So. So what, what, do, what do you think it is? <laughs> like, what, what, do you, what do you think it is, Ryan, that, uh, I don't even know what question I'm trying to ask you. What, what do you think it is? Well, I think it's, it's, it's um. So, so I'll, I, I hate saying this because it like puts like kind of a damper on the whole thing. I have a very strong will to make things successful and I had to go through a lot of barriers. And I, when I'm talking about barriers, I, I think the school system is run predominantly by women, right? Female teachers, mm-hmm. counselors, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, principals. Uh, and when I approached, I was like, hey, how are you communicating with the dads? And they're like, in this long email, I'm like, we need bullet points. We're busy. We got short attention spans. We're dumb. My book, I mean, literally the chapter is like a, a page long with a big picture on it. Like, it's not complicated. <laughs> Why? Because we're not complicated. So I saw the communication that was going on. I was like, that's too complicated. You just got to tell them where, when, when they're going to leave so they can get to work and they'll show up and they're going to get a donut. Mm-hmm. That's it. And they're like... No, they need to know details. I'm like, no, they don't. You just need to get them here. Though the details is they're going to have some fun. Their kids are going to have a big smile, right? So I think communication is one of the things. And then there's these, there's certain roadblocks. I've literally had, well, there's a dad's program at our school, right? The new moms that come in now, like, where's the mom's program? And if they get me to answer that, I'm like, it's called the PTA. It's called room parenting. Mm. It's called every other thing that you want. This is specific so the dads can be involved because we have been excluded. Mm. Go around the county, go around the country. There's very few dads programs in schools. So when you ask, where's the mom's program? It's everything that you guys are involved in. This is specific to dads. I've had people ask me to change it instead of FBI dads, which is fathers being involved. Mm -hmm. Can't you make the F family? I said, I could, but guess what would happen? Dad would be like, well, I got a meeting that day. You know, can you, can you go for me? And then mom shows up and then it turns into a hundred percent dads into 90% dads to 50% dads right. down to 10% dads, the ones that are super dedicated. 
And then we're right back to where we began. I said, it needs to be specific where dad can't get out of it because society tells him work will let him get out of it. Right, right. So there's so many challenges that society has put on these things, but the dads that are involved, man, absolutely love it. I can't tell you the emails I get, how many emails I get thanking me when we do separate events because we do school beautification. Mm -hmm. Um, This year, because of COVID, I've had to have dads make videotapes of the reading and they're like, man, my kid came. I get the email after because like they'll pre-record these videos Mm -hmm. to be read in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Man. Thank you so much for pushing me to do that, right? Because I got to push the dad. It's not easy, right? <laughs> to get these things done. But my kid came home and was like, Daddy, I didn't know you were going to read to us today. My whole class, I was so proud that my daddy did it. Wow. Right? And then the dad's like, Wow, that was important. You know? And they thank me. And when we do school beautification, I was about to say, We'll drop pine straw, we'll pressure wash, we'll paint certain things, we'll build picnic tables. Uh, we built sanitation stations over the summer for the school. Mm-hmm. Save the school sanitation stations for the the dispensers for the sanitizer mm-hmm. five hundred dollars a piece. Wow! We because of the actual you know sanitation part that's automatic that's not touched that those are sixty dollars. So we built the other ones out of you know some cement, a pole, and a five gallon bucket, and then drilled them to that. That cost us fifteen dollars plus a sixty dollar actual sanitation thing. $75 a piece, and we built 10 of them. $750 at a school instead of $5,000. Right, yeah. Right? You know how much the principal, and the principal reach out to me. Hey, can you get some dads to build these? I don't want to spend $5,000 on this stuff. I'd rather spend $5,000 on books. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. So, you know, just things like that. You know, I, I, I could talk about FBI dads all day long. We're literally breaking ground on a playground in two weeks that was negotiated. We got bids for $80,000. I had a dad go in who loves to negotiate Mm -hmm. and got a partner company at a $39,000 bid. Saved us $40,000 from our top bid. (laughs) So it's not what happens when you get dads involved. Yeah. That's, that's where, that's exactly where, where I was going with this. It's not, I, I I appreciate the bit that you just mentioned about the way in which stuff was being communicated was not tailored to just Man. how a guy would, it's a guy communication, right? Like even to this day with my wife and it's going to be lifelong for as long as I'm married to her. Uh, when, <laughs> when same here, I don't even know what you're going to say. Same here. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, we often ask each other after work, like, how was work? And then she just goes on to tell me all of these, like, I mean, and this happened and this happened and this happened. And at this point, I've grown accustomed to it. And so I'm involved and I'm listening. I'm an attentive listener. That's like my my role at work is that I have to be an attentive listener. So I I give her the same, uh, I afford her the same opportunity to to my listening skills too, right? But I mean, she's just going in detail and detail and detail. And then sometimes she just repeats the same point over and over again in different ways. And I'm just like, okay, babe, move on to the next one. <laughs> and then she, when she finishes, she says, how about you? How was your day? And I'm like, eh, it was good. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no drama here. Yeah, it was good. Seen some people, did some things, ate. Now I'm here. Yeah. It was a pretty chill day. <laughs> yeah. So we That's do cool. have different ways of, of communicating. And I, I, I say all that to say that I appreciate the awareness to, to be able to identify that. And I'm wondering if it's, if it's something that um, can be put on like a bigger scale, right? To be like, hey, man. When it comes to these things where dads are quote unquote uninterested, how about we reframe and 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 we approach it in a totally different way and just kind of see what happens? So I, I I believe it can, right? The only challenge is the people who implement it. Uh so if you bring something like this into a school and I give them a, a very simple email, you know, 
hey, this is what you need, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And there are dads, uh, I always say like engineers, like details, right? Yeah. Like, 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 so what I do in my emails, especially at the beginning of the year for the new dads is I'll bullet point. This is what it is. This is our topic, you know, sportsmanship. This is where you need to show up and this is where you go park. If you need more information than that, read below. And I just, then we detail it out, right? For the guy who may need all that or the mom who's reading it, who needs all that so that she has full understanding. And I've had dads, man, why are your emails so long? I said, listen, they're bullet point. All you need is the top. That's why it says, if you need more information, read below. But this is, this is, this is how we do it. The challenge is when you hand it over to, let's say, a PTA or PTSA or a foundation or a teacher or a principal who doesn't understand the psychology of all of it. Oh, this, why don't, why did they write it this way? And they want to change things. Sure. Right? Yeah. Because no matter how many times I've said it, I have to repeat and do it. No, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. Why do we have donuts? Why don't we have carrots? I said, the, the donut is the carrot. No kid wants carrots. I've had this question. It's not healthy. I said, because no kid is grabbing their dad saying, come and get a don't carrot with me. But they are saying, come and get a donut with me. Right? You laugh, right? Because because the mom is thinking, well, that's not healthy. There's a mom out there thinking, well, that's not healthy. But it, But what's more healthy? Like letting them have a sugary treat with dad? And dad took time out of his busy day to show up to their busy day because school is their work. Because dad's excuse a lot of times is, well, I got to work. Sure. Yeah. Kids hear it all the time. Kids hear it all the time. Yeah. My son, as much as, and I work from home. Hey, dad, can you do, well, dad's got to work. I got to finish an email. I got to take a call. I got to get on an interview. I got to deal with a client. Yeah. I have to, like, these are, this is what we say. This is the terminology. Yeah. So what does the kid hear? Work, work is, more, is important. more important than me. Yes. So I sell it to the dads is, Hey, if you come to school, you know what they're saying is that day, their work is just as important, if not more important, because you showed up Yeah, and the kids love it. And the dad's like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. I said, yeah, just show up, have a donut. And if you have a great time, show up to another one. Cause we do six of them a year. I said, but, but give it a shot. The feedback is phenomenal. Man, we had a blast. It was over that quick, man. When's the next one? You know, yeah. dads want to be involved as long as it's in a way that they can be involved and it's simple for them. Put yourself in in, in in the in, in the position of someone who is counseling a, a brand new dad who has clearly a whole lot of work he needs to do personally as he is stepping into fatherhood. Give him three key things to continuously work on that would help him, that would help put his fatherhood journey on the right trajectory. Great, great question. And I think there's really one thing. Okay. I don't even need three things. I often, I saw a meme a couple of years ago and it was just so powerful to me. And it said, how do kids spell love? T-I-M-E. Yes. And I think so many new dads, um, and, and I coach, right. As a, a life coach, I have a number of dads as clients mm-hmm. and, and that becomes part of, you know, the journey regardless of whether that's when they, what they hired me for. And I remember specifically one dad rehired me. He said, you know, a year ago I was about to have a baby finances, blah, blah, blah. I thought I could handle this because now I have a one-year-old daughter Mm -hmm. and I find myself becoming just like my own father. I come home, I sit on the couch, I pop a beer and I don't know what to do. Mm Mm-hmm with a one-year-old hmm. and I said, well, let's talk this out. I said, all she needs from you is, is love and time. He goes, I don't know what that looks like. Cause his dad never did it for him. Sure. Yeah. 
And because I had worked with him before, I knew a little bit about his childhood and his background. And he goes, and she's a girl. I'm a boy. I said, well, let's talk. I said, well, what brought you joy as a kid? And he, you know, I think as us men, we, we go back to maybe high school or adolescence where we're, you know, getting involved. And he was a skateboarder and he was a DJ. Love music. Mm-hmm. I said, do you think your daughter loves music? Well, she's not going to like the music I like. You'd be surprised. <laughs> I said, when was the last time you took out those turntables? He goes, I haven't. You know, we moved and they've been in boxes. And I said, well, are they accessible? He says, yeah. I said, listen, you want to teach your kid to smile? Because he's saying she, she doesn't smile. I said, well, do you smile? He goes, you don't know what to do. I said, turn out, t- set up your turntables. <laughs> Pull out your music. And smile, enjoy with what you're doing because it brings you joy. Mm -hmm. And she's going to mimic you because she wants to smile, but she doesn't know how to because she hasn't seen it. Mm -hmm. So that was his homework for the week. So he broke out the turntables and he started playing music with his daughter. And he goes, I've never seen her smile so much. (laughs) I had so much fun. So I think men overcomplicated. We'll go back to the beginning, right? Yeah. It's so simple. Do what you love and share it with them. Mm. It's that simple. So if you like race cars and you're watching NASCAR, but discuss it with your infant. Discuss it with your baby in the womb. Oh my God, number seven car, number red, the M&M car, whatever. Like, I love that. Like, the daddy loves this. This excites me. Talk to the kids. Yeah. I often say read to your kids, right? Spend time with them. Well, how do you read? What do you read to an infant? It doesn't matter. Um, I am a man of faith, so I read the Bible to my son for the first six months of his life. Mm -hmm. I just, when I was reading my Bible, right, I would just read to him. Mm -hmm. Because you want them to learn to enunciate and use words, not none of this, oh, hey, little cutie, doo-doo-doo. Yeah. Speak to them as if they understand now is one of the chapters in my book. Yes. But everything I'm sharing with you is spending time with them. Unfortunately, people complicate what that time looks like. They just need you to show up in your most authentic self. You don't need to be anybody else but who you are. And that's enough. I co-sign 1000% everything that you just said. Where is your book available and how can someone get their hands on it? Yes. So for those who are uh, Amazon people, you get on Amazon.com. It's Be the Dad You Wish You Had. If you want to go and get a free copy, you go to my website uh, and you will pay shipping and handling. uh, Or you could get a PDF version for free. Uh, And the website is Be the Dad You Wish You Had dot com. Awesome. I'm going to post a link to that in the show notes for anyone who uh, wants to have easy access to it. Um, Is FBI Dad something that is a regional movement or is it an internet or I don't know if it's not international, but is it uh, dispersed throughout the country or is it just uh, it's local right now, but you could go to FBI Dads dot com. And check out the origin story. And if you get on the mailing list, as we start releasing it out for other schools, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be on the mailing list and be the first ones to be aware of it. My man, thank you so much for the time that we spend in conversation. Thank you for sharing your life story with me. Uh, thank you for the work that you're doing in the community and um, being a light to other dads to show them that They are themselves lights to their families. And so uh, I look forward to ongoing conversations with you in partnership and and how we can move this work forward that we're both doing in our respective circles. And uh, yeah, just wishing you the best, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate all the work you're doing in in the journey that you're sharing because you are a light to your circle also. Appreciate that.